The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. to another edition of who is right here on the two-man power trip i am your host jp john pause and of course with me today the second man in the booth the doctor himself mr j michael jargo jargo how you doing today sir i'm fantastic thanks for having me back pause we got a little bit of controversy going on twitter this week with the poll we had the closest poll ever we're getting a whole bunch of votes which i hopefully means that we're getting a bunch of listeners and hopefully they're enjoying these uh who is series because i can tell you what man i sure as hell am the most popular downloaded one was the uh tag team one for uh, maybe because the timing with wb talking about stuff but that was uh the, the most downloaded one that which was a great one the road warriors obviously took the sweep and on the poll destroyed was the highest. I think the highest, as far as the the number, I think it was 65%. Everybody else only had a few, but this one was the closest who is the greatest IC champion. And Mr. Perfect just won that poll, but barely then Savage was in second, then honky tonk in third, then Jericho in fourth. But there was a bunch of misfits uh, votes out there. A lot of Miz votes. Everyone was saying him. I saw the Mountie. I think they were joking, but they threw him in there. I saw Tito being voted on very seriously. Razor Moan got a vote. Jeff Jarrett. There's a bunch of people that were getting votes, but everybody we pretty much uh, mentioned and exactly kind of who we thought would be in the top echelon. Perfect Savage uh, Honky Talk Man. Perfect gets it. Don't, don't you hate it when you get a message from somebody and they're like, I can't believe you didn't talk about this person. And you're like, damn, how did all three of us forget that guy or right. that team yep. or, you know, it's crazy, but yeah, th- this has been a lot of fun, and I, I think today's is going to be a lot of fun. We've got no RBV this week, so uh, I made my list twice as long, you know, just so I can be, be sure that we can fill up an hour. So Nice. RBV is uh, eating burgers at Cincinnati Burger Week, right? Hashtag RBV Fitness. He is on a quest, ladies and gentlemen, to eat 20 hamburgers this week. Nice. It's insane. That is know, a little too much. He said 17, and then he said 20. It's a little a little crazy. 17 is the record that he made last year, so he's trying to pass that record and make it all the way to 20 this year. Last I knew, he was up around uh, 9 or 10, so about halfway there. Is that an official record? For Rick, it is. Okay. <laughs> but 
today, today's topic, who is the best junior heavyweight, the best lightweight, however you want to call it, cruiserweight, but the, the little guy, the smaller guy, uh, the guy that you love the most, not necessarily the main event, but probably the guy most likely to have the best match of the night. The best junior heavyweight, who is Jargo? Let's just start it off with somebody who I immediately, the first name I wrote down, not necessarily my number one choice, but the first name I thought of, I actually thought of three people, and I just happened to write his name down first, Ray Mysterio Jr. Well, this whole conversation kind of came up because I want to say it was last Thursday, last Friday, was the 25th anniversary of Rey Mysterio Jr. winning his first WCW Cruiserweight Championship. And WWE was posting the video and whatnot. And I just go and I start reading through comments and everybody's like, Rey's the GOAT. He, he's the greatest junior heavyweight of all time. And I'm like, no, he's not. Wait. He's not. Whoa. Well, well wait. No, is he? And I, I, I finally, I'm so I'm going through all these junior heavyweights in my head. I got it down to two, but I can't pick Paz. I can't pick because, I mean, it seems only logical that Rey Mysterio Jr. would be the greatest junior heavyweight of all time. He's probably the most recognizable, at least here in the Western Hemisphere. But then there's Jushin Thunder Liger. And Jushin Thunder Liger was a global icon before Rey Mysterio even won his first WCW Cruiserweight Championship. So clearly Jushin Liger is the greatest junior heavyweight of all time. Or is it Rey Mysterio? Has Rey Mysterio done enough to surpass Jushin Thunder Liger? And I, I'm, I just keep going back and forth in my mind with those two guys specifically. Who is the greatest junior heavyweight? And then I started making a list. I got a pretty long list today. And mm. I mean, there's some other guys that I can make real good cases for. But those two names really stand out to me more pronounced than any two other junior heavyweights, cruiserweights, light heavyweights, whatever you want to call it. Now, you think that Mysterio just not even longevity wise or, or, or whatever you want to say, obviously still going and, and Liger just retired, but does Mysterio, as far as being a better wrestler, does that register? Do you think that he was the better high flyer, the, the better junior? Like where, where does he register for you? It, see, that's what makes it so difficult. Right. And I, I guess the thing with Ray is his style has really adapted over the course of the years. And he has put on weight also and to make himself more of a legitimate heavyweight, mm -hmm. whereas Liger was always that junior heavyweight. Um, as far as a better wrestler goes, can you say that Mysterio is a better wrestler, like an in-ring technician than Jushin Liger? Because technically speaking, I, I, I think I give the advantage to Liger when it comes to the high flying top rope stuff. I give the advantage to Mysterio. Mysterio won our, but my vote anyway, as the greatest seller of all time, but Liger absolutely up there on that list as well. It, it's a really, really difficult pick between those two guys. And I'm just not sure, honestly, who I think is the better of the two. With Ray and Liger, if you remember Starcade '96, WCW, they do have a great match. Um, definitely one of the, the memorable moments on that card, no doubt about it. But those two, 
unbelievable. I love how they can have completely different style, like the Lucha Libre style, like the Japanese Strong style, which mix in for Liger, almost like that. You wouldn't even call it Strong style. It's almost like that um, Super J style, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean, like that Jacob style. But Liger was a master of it. But when they wrestled here in the States, they were still masters they were still great so it's one of those things where they could totally do the american style they could totally do uh, all different kinds of style it's not one of those things where like oh they they're just great high flyers or they're great, great this or they're just great that these guys are great all around well and even liger like he had a legit shoot background too like i i have seen the fights where it's jushin liger versus minoru suzuki in pancrase like he's out there having legit shoot fights with Minoru Suzuki, you know? So, I mean, when it comes to like, if you wanted to wrestle that map based technical style, Liger could do that. Ray, when it can, he can do some of that stuff, but his biggest thing was he could just get out of all of it. Right. It was all about stick and move, stick and move, stick and move Where Liger. I think there was a bit more, I don't want to say he was tougher than Rey Mysterio, but maybe a bit more aggressive, not necessarily quite as much finesse. But then you go back and you watch like the 1994 Super J Cup and Liger's flying all over the freaking place. So it's when you look at the different eras of Rey Mysterio, the different eras of Jushin Thunder Liger, they really match up really, really well. That 96 match that you bring up, it's really really cool to watch that match because you can tell it's Rey Mysterio learning from Jushin Liger the biggest thing for me with Liger was he was a master of pace he would dictate everything regardless of what kind of match it was going to be he was the veteran inside the ring that was calling it because even when he's wrestling a very young Rey Mysterio Liger's been around for 15 years at that point when you think about those two, I mean, obviously, they were kind of the first two that I wrote down. I had Ray first and Liger second. Not necessarily who I think is the best, but that just the first immediately when it first came to mind, when you first brought it up to me, I was like, Mysterio, Liger, Liger, Mysterio. Like, kind of like those guys. And just I happened to write down Ray first. But I was like, man, I, was like, I don't know if uh, anybody else. And then I started thinking of other names. Like, okay, there are some other names that definitely ring true as possibly the greatest. But I don't know, Ray Mysterio to me, I, I know people might say, oh, maybe, well, maybe he wasn't a good heel. I don't really care about that. He's a great, you know, light heavyweight or, or Liger could, could play the heel and could kind of play that role. And and they both could wrestle heavyweight, but mm-hmm. the psychology was both still on point. Just I was kind of going back and forth with those two and trying to play them off against one another. But man, both so, uh, so great. Hard to kind of pick one over the other. But I have some other names on my list before we move on. Um, was Rick leaning one way or, or was Rick who obviously isn't here to, to uh, defend his position, but just was curious. Was he, was those the two guys that he was like leaning, leaning on and leaning towards? Yep. Those two guys. And, and it seems like no matter who you talk to, those two guys are going to be at the top yeah. of just about every list, which I think is really just a testament to the star power in a division where junior heavyweights aren't typically main event talents right i mean they're not in japan they're certainly not here in the united states every once in a while you get a program you'll have a tournament where they'll let the the juniors be the main events but primarily they're kind of stuck in the middle of that card until you get to ray mysterio and jushin thunder liger and then it's almost a main event program can be a main event program It'll probably have the most interest to the fans 
that that night, you know, or, or the most pop or whatever when it's like crowd reaction is most likely going to be from those guys. But I love it though. When Mysterio debuts in WCW, people are like, who is this little Spanish guy? Who is this guy? I had followed him because I saw him technically. He was a WCW pay-per-view when Worlds Collide was really a triple A WCW. We had Chris mm-hmm. Cruz on the call. You had tonight. I mean, you had it was a WCW field, so I've seen him before. Then I was following him in the magazine. I was like, man, he's smaller than I thought he was. Like, oh, but, but this guy's amazing. He's doing stuff I've never seen anybody do. I was like, holy crap. And even today, you see all these guys copy him. They do all these great athletic moves. But he kind of was one of the first guys I've seen do a ton of those moves. But he just stood out to me, especially when I was watching WCW. I was like, man, like, oh, that was great with the NWO. But, man, Mysterio Malenko earlier in the night or Mysterio Liger was like, holy shit, like, that was great. Like, just loved me some Rey Mysterio. Well, and, and for me, it was also Hoovy, right? Like, Hoovy, Psychosis, La Parca, that entire luchador crop that kind of invaded WCW as they started up that cruiserweight division. They were out there stealing the show every freaking night. And and then it was a matter of who's your luchador? Like, who do you want to pull for? Because I, there was a bit of division inside. Like I was always a Hoovy guy, but then there was a lot of more Mysterio guys, you know, that entire crop of talent was just absolutely incredible. And to me, that was the biggest thing that set WCW apart from an in-ring product versus what WWF was doing at that time. Now, we're talking about Ray, we're talking about Liger, and I was thinking about it too, and I was like, I don't think either one of those two are the greatest. Now that I'm really thinking about the history of professional wrestling, I'm like, you know what? What about Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid? I was like, how could you rate those two? Maybe possibly over there. But I was thinking they're kind of the innovate innovators of that style. Maybe not the first really ever to do it. You want to go back to like Gory Guerrero or something, like a smaller guy could, could be more athletic and work in some some ground game stuff too. And, and, and there's a bunch of other guys that, that won't get into. But Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid kind of made the style that of today – very, very popular. I mean, those guys were tearing it down and tearing the roof off and having these five-star matches before anybody knew what five-star matches were. I mean, so when I initially thought, I'm like, okay, Mysterio, Liger. Then when I dug down deeper, I'm like, damn, how did I not mention Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid? Yeah, and, and if I have Liger and Mysterio one and two in either order, I have Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid four and five. There's one name that I actually have in between there. Uh, and then I and then I have Gory all at seven. So I mean we're 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 all kind of right there together. Uh, what they were doing in the mid '80s was insane. To go back and watch a, those Tiger Mask matches, and and you can even kind of throw Benoit into this. You can throw Eddie Guerrero into this. The the matches that they were having in Japan before they came stateside were just absolutely incredible and so far ahead of their time you can go back and watch tiger mask and, and dynamite kid right now and it, it hold up against anything that you're going to see on aew it's going to hold up against anything you're going to see on monday night raw it's going to hold up against anything that the junior heavyweights are doing today in japan well maybe with the exception of hiromu because he's batshit insane but the the style hasn't changed that much and the style was clearly defined by tiger mask and the dynamite kid it's crazy how they kind of created a style that really wasn't there before and it's still here now man but they did it so well and they were so damn good such good chemistry that's what i'm thinking it's like man 
like obviously Tiger Mask belongs way up on the list, but Dynamite Kid, he's got to be considered. I mean, he's just smaller guy. Obviously, when he mm-hmm. got the WWF, he bulked up quite a bit. I don't know if he would be considered a light heavyweight uh, in the WWF with how much he freaking bulked up. I mean, he was he was monstrous. Obviously, uh, Davey was bigger than him. Right, always was bigger than him. But man, they bulked up big time when they got to the uh, WWE. But Dynamite well, Kid, he's the kind of the godfather of a lot of the the styles. And that's what that's what made the Bulldog so good, right? Was you had the speed and the accuracy and the insanity of the Dynamite Kid, and then you bring Davey in, and he was just the power and the cleanup, right? Yep, it was perfect, perfect. So you mentioned one, two, four, five. Who do you got as number three on that list? Ultimo Dragon. Mm, uh, Ultimo Dr- Ultimo Dragon is he's probably the most underrated junior heavyweight you know because all of the junior heavyweights that you see today when they talk about who who is your greatest influence i would say probably half of them are gonna say ultimo dragon it's crazy he just never quite got the popularity here in the states that somebody like a mysterio did but when you look at that global scene and then even what he started with dragon gate it's pretty incredible. He had a heck of a career. I mean, I think we've all seen the picture of Ultimo Dragon walking around with like 18 belts, right? I mean, yes. he, he was the original belt collector. It was insane how many championships he was walking around with. He's pretty damn high on my list, even though I just he never quite got that recognition. Why? You ever think about that? Like why he didn't get that recognition? Because they're with... Mysterio wrestling him, obviously there with Liger wrestling him, legend in Mexico, legend in Japan, great in the States, had a nice run, had a bunch of titles in WCW. Why do you think that? I don't know. And and I I can't help but wonder if his background wasn't partially the reason because like he never quite fit into the lucha culture because he was japanese mm-hmm. he never quite fit into the japanese culture because he was more so trained in lucha libre yes. when he he comes to the united states he didn't speak very good english he always had to have like sunny ono as the mouthpiece the gimmick just never really hit you know what i mean here in the states so i think it's just that WCW run that that's where so many here in the West know him from. But when you look at his work in Mexico, you look at his work in Japan, he was selling out buildings all over the freaking world, man. He's to me just so good. He was very, very, very high up on my list as well. Just so damn good. Obviously in WCW cruiserweight champion, and television champions. So, I mean, they, they liked him just more, even more above just doing the cruiserweight stuff, but he was so good. Obviously that awesome picture is like, uh, whatever the, the funny quote is, he's got all the belts. It's like, um, what people aspire to be. <laughs> you right. know, and obviously doing the belt collector gimmick, uh, well, well before Kenny Omega, well before Austin Aries and all these other guys that were doing it. He was just to me, a perfect guy. It's like to wrestle anybody, any style, really, because of the the Japanese, because of the lucha libre, mm-hmm. could do the submission style, could do the American style. Obviously, got over big time in the war promotion, got big time in CMLL, big time in WCW. I mean, he was just he was all over the place. And I know a lot of people always use that word underrated with him. And it's funny, like you almost can't put your finger. I was like, why? Like he was, but why? It's just 
I, I think there's just so much of it that was that language barrier because I mean, when you look at how character driven and storyline heavy WCW was at that time, you couldn't give Ultimo Dragon a microphone and ask him to cut a 10 second promo. Like it just, it wasn't happening. And I think that's what really held him back. What about Sonny Ono doing the, uh, the selfies with him? I, and, but it, that was the thing, right? It, it was almost like he was kind of played partially for comedy and then like the bell would ring and you would get this incredible in-ring technician. It, it just felt so damn disconnected. I love Sonny Ono. I, I love Ultimo Dragon, but the pairing of them together just didn't seem like it worked for me. Japanese guy, Japanese guy. He's going to just take it them together. With... uh him being number three, so we got one, two, three, five on your list. What about Brian Danielson? Daniel Bryan, does he rank high on your list? Um, I do have Brian on my list, but I have him down a little bit further. Hmm. Uh, well, and, and the thing that hurts Brian is he never really competed in a junior heavyweight division, right? He was always the little guy fighting the heavyweights. I, I don't remember Brian. Well, I guess Ring of Honor kind of was a light heavyweight division at that time it's well, still it's part of the, kind new, of is. the new japan um juniors in, in like oh three to five kind of that era and a little bit of noah doing the light heavyweight stuff yeah yeah i i brian is he's kind of the perfect wrestler or he kind of became it i mean like he was always a great in-ring technician but then he finally figured out the character thing. He figured out the promos thing. And Brian is one of those guys that when you look at when he was doing junior heavyweight wrestling, he really graduated to heavyweight, right? Like there, I, I have all these guys on my list where some of these guys, I do you consider AJ Styles a light heavyweight? I mean, I have him on my list, but he's on my list, but it's funny because he legit probably weighs like 210 pounds. So is that really like, right. yeah, so. but you know, he, he wrestled that style and, yep. but he graduated to a more heavyweight style. And Brian is very, very much the same way. When I think of Daniel Bryan, I don't immediately think junior heavyweight. That's why I had him high on my list, but that's why he also wouldn't win the who is on my list just because i almost don't think of him in that way even ring of honor when he was the, the champion stuff obviously he's the ring of honor world heavyweight champion he's wrestling Samoa joe and carino and lance storm and all these guys that are heavyweights you know so and nigel mcginnis and so on and so forth so to me it's like i don't consider him although he technically is i don't know if i consider him although he always said um in wb um he was well over 200 pounds which a lot of people may be surprised by but he's a little bit bigger than you think he is. And it's funny, I was interviewing a while back Frank Trigg, great MMA legend and icon and, and commentator and even referee in MMA. And he used to roll and, and do BJJ and do MMA and everything mm-hmm. um, and practice with Danielson. He's like, he's a lot heavier than you think he is, which is a huge compliment when you're rolling with somebody. It's like, yeah, he's a lot heavier than you think. It's, I mean, you can't throw him around, can't bully him around. So he said he used to actually kick a lot of ass at, at the MMA gyms and stuff. So another thing where it's like, oh, he's probably not that tough. Well, Frank Trick says he is. So he, he probably legitimately is, but it's one of those things too. It's like, he's a little bit heavier than Maybe not Liger too is kind of on on the fringe. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit heavier than than most of the guys. Like obviously way heavier than Rey Mysterio, um, 
But Danielson, to me, I never considered him a true, true junior heavyweight or light heavyweight just because he was always wrestling the bigger guys and, right. and, and, and getting not getting away with it, but looking great doing it. Well, and, and there's a lot of guys that I, I kind of feel that way about, right? Like uh, what one of the names on my list that, again, is rather far down. I've got low key on here. Oh, so do I. You know, and, and, yep. but again, low key is he's clearly a junior heavyweight. Mm hmm. But he's always been in there wrestling guys so much bigger than him that I don't think of Loki as a junior heavyweight. Yep. That is true. That, that, and that was one for me, too. I'm like, should I put him on there? I was like, yeah, because I always kind of think of him when I think of like those great guys and kind of Danielson and that ROH class always kind of gets mixed together in my mind. But I did have Loki on mine. I also had Amazing Red on mine. I don't know if you had him on yours. I do have Amazing Red on my list. Uh, I thought that guy was just absolutely fantastic. He was one of those talents that the first time you see him, you go, wow, he is going to be a huge star. And it just never happened for the guy. Why Weird. did it never yeah. happen for the guy? Weird. I don't know. Did he not have the charisma of a Rey Mysterio to be that top star? Because I saw Mysterio so when I first saw him in right. on the indie on the indie scene, and then I would watch him in TNA and Ring of Honor. But I was like, man, this guy's got something. He's like the next Mysterio. He's he's going to be like the next smaller guy, but he's going to be a, a star in this era. And kind of, you know was there a little bit with ROH there a little bit with TNA, but never made it to that next level. And, and, and he's another one that kind of surprised me a little bit, obviously lacking charisma as far as like the Ray Mysterio charisma where the guy just oozes it. So I think, that could be the problem. I don't, I'm not sure hundred percent though on that. Cause it's weird. I think the thing with amazing red was just timing, right? I mean, because when, when you look at, when he was at his absolute best, look at what WWE was putting out at the time. Like he's not signing with WWE. They're not going to utilize him in any way, shape or form. Vince would take one look at him and wonder where the rest of him was, right. you know? And then you look at that time period inside of impact. And there's a lot of monsters on the top of the card and the X division. While everybody loved it, everybody you can't wait to watch the X division matches. And then they wouldn't push the X division at all because they were too busy pushing them all of that main event talent. It, it, it was just timing for him because I feel like it, had he come a couple years before, maybe a couple years after, he might have been, you know, in the top 10 of this list. He had top 10 talent. It's interesting to me how that kind of didn't work out. And, it was, I don't know, just he he definitely was on my list for sure when I was just thinking of this. But then I was like, man, he never really made it to where he should have made it, I guess. You know, he could have been elevated somewhere, somehow. I know he's still this house of glory. And I think I just saw him in a picture recently with Sasha Banks as she was training up there. But it wasn't uh, it wasn't to be as far as him being a bigger star. I feel like maybe AEW could uh, still bring him in. If, if I know he was looking towards retirement, but if they wanted to give like a you know, a guy, a nice little rub, a nice little push. Hey, went over the legendary Amazing Red wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, and and he is one of those guys that the AEW crowd would know who he is. Mm -hmm. Those hardcore fans would be like, oh, it's Amazing Red. And, and it wouldn't take very long for casual fans to kind of catch on. He would actually fit that style really, really well if he's healthy and if he still has the desire to keep on going. I know he was doing some work with New Japan 
um, a year, year and a half ago with yep. the uh, L.A. Dojo. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that would be a great fit for him as well. Yeah, I don't know what, what's going on with him, but uh, hopefully he's not done. So another name on my list, as we were thinking, and I'm thinking about Liger clapping at one of the greatest matches of all time. Kind of that screw up there at the end. Obviously killed it for Meltzer. He gave it 4.75 instead of 5 there. But Liger clapping to me, I still give five stars because it's so freaking hilarious. That like what an awesome like spur of the moment quick reaction by Liger. Like normally you'd be like, oh crap, the guy screwed up or he slipped in the rope and it was great. What about great Sasuke? Is he on the list? I, I do have Sasuke on my list. I have him actually pretty high on my list. Um he is another one of those guys that he he's kind of a in that Ultimo Dragon category he's kind of in that psychosis category where it was like why wasn't why did he not hit like mm-hmm. why did liger hit and sasuke didn't why did mysterio hit and psychosis didn't you know like there it, it's just absolutely to watch a sasuke match he is so fluid everything seems so effortless when sasuke is doing it yeah, I have Sasuke just outside of my top 10. Do you think it's because New Japan was in his home, home base promotion? Could that hurt him too? Because he's not getting the fanfare and the Tokyo Dome shows and these right. huge arenas and these bigger venues and these bright lights and being covered by all these magazines and everything like Liger, 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 Liger. Sasuke, you know, kind of worked for smaller promotions in Japan, but you know, he would uh show up to J-Cups and, and the big tournaments and stuff, but, right. and obviously WB for, for a hot minute, ECW for a hot minute, but never a part of like the, the mainstream of Japan, if you, if you will, as far as, as that, as far as wrestling is concerned. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I, Sasuke, I, I could kind of pair all these guys together as I'm looking throughout my top 10 here. Sasuke, um, El Samurai and Hayabusa. Mm-hmm. All three of those guys, I, I feel like could have been Jushin Liger if they wanted to be. Like if, if they would put in the same work ethic, if they were the same company guy, all those guys I think were just as good as Jushin Liger, but they just kind of became his supporting cast. You know, it, it's kind of like the John Cena thing where Liger would just outwork everybody. Even still, I Liger's still doing work at the dojo. He, he outworks everybody. If those guys would have had that same work ethic, at that time period in Japanese pro wrestling, the juniors could have taken over all of professional wrestling as far as the Japanese were concerned. Hell Samurai I had him on my list too. Another, you know, amazing name. I mean, if you go back and look at that Jacob, it's like, holy crap, like how many awesome oh, yeah. guys are on this thing? But Samurai is a name that often gets uh, forgotten uh, for sure. Oh, I love me some El Samurai. I go back and watch the 1994 Super J Cup if you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen. That entire tournament with all of that talent, just absolutely freaking incredible. You mentioned Hayabusa as well, one of the greatest high flyers of all time. An unfortunate ending, obviously, for him when he uh, broke his neck and then was paralyzed and then passed away. All those complications and stuff. Whew, man, but when he was in his prime, one of the most. Mm-hmm. Gifted high flyers, what an athlete! Incredible, incredible. Obviously, more for FMW right. than, than than anything else. But man, he was unbelievable. Yeah, to to go back and watch Hayabusa matches is insane. Even in a 2021 context, you're like, what is he? Do- oh my god! 
everybody turns into Joey Styles watching Hayabusa <laughs> matches, right? It, it's just it's absolutely insane. If you if you're not familiar with him, go look Hayabusa up because for a long time for me, he was that guy that I would see, but I never actually got to watch the matches. You see that mask, you see that look, and he just looks like that's gonna be a bad dude. Like he just had that look to him, even underneath of the mask. It, he does not disappoint in any way, shape, or form inside of the ring. He kind of he had a little bit of that Sabu thing to him, though. Mm-hmm. Like there, there was something a little bit off about Hayabusa. And while he was a high flyer to the nth degree, he was not afraid to mix it up with you either. Now, just I didn't have him on my list because I don't consider him a light heavyweight, but some people do. Do you consider Sabu uh, while we're talking about him? Do you consider him a, a junior heavyweight? I do not. I, I don't. Um, and, and it's kind of the same thing with Rob Van Dam, with Jerry Lynn, that entire kind of that time period inside of ECW. There's a lot of junior heavyweights that to me just were not junior heavyweights. But I would even say they're more than like 215 pounds, though, these guys. I would just say, and just standing next to Sabu, I mean, he pretty ripped back in the day rvd i would say maybe 225 something like that just weight wise i wouldn't even consider some of those guys maybe jerry lynn i didn't i had jerry lynn on my list but i, I don't know rvd and sabu because i saw a lot of people were considering them light heavyweights i don't just don't consider them that small i just don't consider them light heavyweights sabu was billed at 235 pounds oh wow so he well, he's that's probably not, not that's not a junior heavyweight no he's so Technically, he's probably not that much, but to be billed that much, you're definitely not a junior heavyweight at all. No. He was way too ripped to be a junior heavyweight anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. He, he did have a lot of the junior heavyweight style inside no of his repertoire, no but, but I would not consider him a junior heavyweight. So you don't consider Jerry Lynn a junior heavyweight either? No, I, I don't because it, and it, again, it's just kind of who is he in the ring with, right? Like, I, I think Jerry Lynn could out wrestle just about anybody, even still today. Jerry Lynn looks great. Can't believe that they're not using him more on AEW television. Well, I guess he's retired, though. You don't mean wrestling wise, though. Well, I, he, because he's refereeing now, right? So, I mean, just having Jerry Lynn inside of the ring with two guys like you could do something with jerry lynn like i mean there's wrestling retired you know what i mean yeah, like I, I could totally see jerry lynn coming out for an individual program with somebody but while i don't consider jerry lynn a junior heavyweight i don't consider rob van dam a junior heavyweight to go back and watch those that series of matches that they were having what was that 96 to like 98 ish to put those two guys in the ring, they wrestled a junior heavyweight style that was just absolutely incredible. Another guy I was thinking about, I wrote him down as, as on my list, but really to me isn't a junior heavyweight, although he was a cruiserweight champion. He was a WWE light heavyweight champion. What about Sean Waltman? I do have X-Pac on my list. Uh, he was kind of a victim of circumstance too, right? I mean, because he, he ran with all the heavyweights, you know, so a perception is 90% of it, right? When you're hanging out with guys like Hogan, Hall, and Nash, you just don't present yourself as a junior heavyweight. But he absolutely was a junior heavyweight. I do have him on my list. I don't have him necessarily high on my list. But I, 
at the time period, especially when he was in WWF, he was the only one wrestling that style with maybe the exception of uh poppy chulo. It's true. Very, very true. Um, as far as some other guys that we've kind of mentioned briefly, psychosis, I have on my list. I know you love him. I'm, I'm a super Mark for psychosis. I, I just, I, the mask, the presentation, I'm amazed that psychosis can still walk doing that freaking leg drop off the top but psychosis was he was one of the bigger cruiserweights inside of wcw but it was all height he, he'd go out there and go with absolutely anybody that we're talking about off of this list and make them look fantastic he just didn't necessarily have the flair that a guy like ray mysterio or Hoovy had with a guy like psychosis not too too big obviously but he's kind of on on the fringe too where he's he i, I consider him light heavyweight but he's a taller guy and he was skinny but he's, mm -hmm. uh, he's definitely a, a bigger light heavyweight or a bigger junior no doubt about that yeah it, it's not a big surprise that towards the end of his career he moved into that heavyweight division i mean it, it was real easy for psychosis to move into that heavyweight division because just because he had that frame especially once he lost the mask yes yes um, as far as another guy we mentioned, no doubt about it, Hoovy, Hoovy Juice, Hooventude Guerrera. Where is he on your list? The juice say so, the juice makes so. <laughs> I, the juice is loose. Man, I, there was a period of time that Hooventude Guerrera was my favorite wrestler of all time. When, Whoa. When, when Hoovy was doing the juice, when he was doing his parodies of The Rock, there was nothing better on pro wrestling television than Juventude Guerrera. If, but knowing Hoovy the little bit that I know Hoovy now, I can see why Hoovy was not Rey Mysterio. Because Hoovy was, if Los Ingobernobles was a thing back in Hoovy's day, he would have been there. He, he's about as ungovernable as, as guys come. Hoovy just kind of marches to the beat of his own drummer. And he did it inside the ring too. When, when Hoovy was doing some of the stuff that he was doing in 1996, 1997, just took my absolute freaking breath away. But when he started coming out with the juicy elbow, that was the best thing in wrestling for a period of time. What about when the rock uh, said to Jericho, you lost to Hoovy? <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> Jericho is one that we've kind of talked around a couple of times too. And I do have Chris Jericho mm -hmm. on my list, but he's another guy. He just graduated from that cruiserweight division. Yes. And, and yeah. now we remember him as a heavyweight. Um, but my best friend, Chris Jericho, when I met him a couple of years ago, you could go through the line, right? And you could ask Jericho one question. And I asked him, do you still have all those masks? How many freaking masks did Jericho take off of Luchadors in WCW? It was his whole freaking gimmick there for a while. Okay. He, he still got them all. And what was the answer? He still got them all. Every That's one awesome. of them. That's awesome. I thought that was really, really cool. But yeah, Jericho, the mask collector, absolutely yes. fantastic. Yes. Um, although it did kind of lead to the whole unmasking of Rey Mysterio, which yeah, one of the more questionable decisions in the history of WCW. 
Definitely dumb. Did not like that. Good looking guy. I mean, does he just need the mask? The mask is awesome. It's WB sold what a million of them. Yeah, I mean, sell the gimmick, right? He, he was one of their big biggest merchandise guys when he wasn't being pushed. So it just shows you. And I remember, God, fifteen years ago, I went to an autograph signing. The most people I've ever ever seen ever for a signing. And I've been to a Hogan signing and a Flyer signing. These people at this Mysterio signing was insane. It was wrapped around the mall like three times. Everyone's squeezing by, squeezing by, squeezing by. Like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I'm going to meet Ray Mysterio. No, the line's all the way back, back there. <laughs> all the way back. Oh, it was crazy. Somebody was like, there's no way. I, was, I said, no, that many people were there to see Mysterio. They had to put up like guardrails and stuff. And they were going all the way back. It was nuts just of how popular he was. But I loved Jericho before that when he was shooting with Malenko and then Hoovy Juice and doing that whole feud. And uh, you know, you, you're sprinkling Ray in there too, obviously. But that was such a great gimmick. And he would cry when he got upset and he got the conspiracy theory. He had to go down to Washington, D.C. to figure out what happened. Uh, the Malenko, Stinko Malenko, like, oh, man, Jericho at the Cruiserweight Division, Monday Night Jericho, Ralphus. He was the best. Yeah, yeah. And somehow WCW just didn't see it. Weird. It's just, it's baffling. It's completely baffling. But yeah, for for the Rock to Jericho's debut, you think you're someone because you've been wrestling some guy named Hooventude? Oh my god! <laughs> it's funny. The Rock definitely either paid attention or Jericho mentioned somebody because he would mention Hoovy once in a while, which was pretty <laughs> random as hell, but pretty funny. Obviously, and you know, Hoovy Hoovy's the kind of guy. That he would stand up in his living room and celebrate when The Rock would say his name. Like, it would be like a full-on dance party with, like, 18 girls and 15 bottles of tequila, and it would be a whole thing. But Juventud Guerrero, that is not a gimmick, ladies and gentlemen. That dude is the juice. I met Jericho a few times, and I mentioned this to him when I interviewed him last week. I said, hey, um, one time about... We're at a Fozzie concert, and I said, hey, you playing God Pounds His Nails? He's like, you know what? It's not on the set list, but since you asked, I'm putting it on there. And, of course, later on he played it, but we laughed about it. I was like, what a great worker. That's so funny. <laughs> and he's going to tell me, he's like, not on the set list, but for you. And then, obviously, he's thinking, like, when I listen later on. But me and my brother always laughed. Like, that's so funny. He's, like, working me, but he knows, like, that I know he's working me. But, oh, it's so, it's so funny. And then I remember, God, I met him in 2000. And was it 99 after he debuted in 2000? Somewhere around there. And I said, oh, who's who's your Canadian dream team or something? And he was like, hockey? I'm like, wrestling. He's like, oh, Bret Hart, Owen Hart. Like, he, Lance Storm. It was, just, it was just funny. Like, he's just so sarcastic. And some of the stuff he says, it's just great. And he was arguing with me that that his Shawn Michaels feud was better than his Dean Malenko feud. Mm. Well, Jericho is the kind of guy he thinks in terms of money. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he made more money off of the Michaels feud. So in Jericho's mind, that was the better feud. Yes, absolutely. But speaking of Stinko Malenko, is he on your list? Because he sure as hell is on mine. Stinko Malenko, absolutely on the list. Uh, Dean Malenko in a in a cruiserweight division that was defined by guys like Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrera, Psychosis, going out and flying all over the ring. Malenko would ground you and make you tap out. It was watching, and there was again when you get something different, different is what gets over, right? 
And you have Malenko, whose entire personality is that he has no personality, made that work for him. And then he'd go out in the ring and he would just kind of what today would you call Zach Sieber Jr. a junior heavyweight? I guess kind of, but he graduated from there. Yeah, I mean he's he doesn't wrestle in the junior heavyweight division. Yeah, and, and never really had really. No, and you could have put Malenko in there with Hall. You could have put him in there with Nash, and he would have been he still would have been Dean Malenko. They just didn't push him in that way, like they have Zach Saber Jr. Man, Malenko was so good to watch. If they could have teamed him up with some kind of a mouthpiece, it would have helped though. With. Dean, he was such a master, though, of like whoever he was wrestling, Mysterio. Like you said, he would ground him, but the match would be so awesome. It would take nothing away yeah. from the match. If he was working with Eddie, I mean, they would just have classic after classic. They could do the match stuff. He could do some high flying. He could mix in some submissions. He could do some strong style. Another guy that could do it all in the ring and totally be believable as the man of a thousand hold and, and be that ice man and just be like that, that, that constant, you didn't need necessarily all this like hoopla around it. The crowd got into the wrestling. They really, really were into him, especially 97 wrestler of the year. Yeah. Despite, yep. despite a, not a big push. And, and I don't know what it is. I went off on this tirade before. I'm not sure on this show though. Pause. Can you explain to me why, most junior heavyweights and especially luchadors cannot throw a working punch to save their damn lives. I don't know. Dean Malenko had like the second best working punch in that WCW cruiserweight division. I mean, it was he, believable. He did have that awesome punch. That awesome. Yeah. You, you, who had the best working punch? Do you know the answer? A, a cruiserweight wise or, or, or I, anyway. I, I, I would say anybody. But he was in that cruiserweight division. Oh, great question. Great working punch. Dean is definitely up there. Hmm. Chavo Guerrero. Glenn Gilberti. Oh, you consider him a cruiserweight? Well, I, he was in the cruiserweight division. But come you, on, he had to lose all that weight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, that and, was a great and, gimmick, too. Yeah. And and Disco would not go on my list of the greatest junior heavyweights of all time. But if we're talking about the greatest working punch in yeah, all of professional wrestling, Disco Inferno, it was believable every time. Rey Mysterio still can't throw a punch. Been doing it for 30 years. Might have to be a topic of a show because a million names just ran through my head as some great punches that I love that I might have to save them for a future topic. I tell you, man, I put Disco right up there. there there's a guy that The Rock stole punches from, and he admitted it, where he stole his awesome punch from that might be the best punch ever. I don't know if you know. Scott Hall. Hmm, I could see that. I can see that. Um, when when the rock would spit into his hand, that punch, that that was always a great one too. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. that just that whole sequence that was great. Great stuff. There's a bunch of Memphis boys too that had some awesome punches, but that different topic for a different day. Another guy. Speaking of Malenko, speaking of Jericho, what about Eddie? Eddie. What about Eddie Guerrero? See on your list. Yes, Eddie Guerrero, Black Tiger, whatever you want to call him. Uh, again, you want to go back to that 94 Super J Cup, go yep. watch yourself some Black Tiger. Uh, Eddie is another guy that graduated, and I think at this point, most people think of him as a heavyweight because 
now when I think of Eddie Guerrero, the first thing that comes to mind is world heavyweight champion, WrestleMania main event. Yeah. Yep. And, and I guess Ben was kind of on this, basically the same conversation. Yeah, I was going to mention well. him next. I was going to mention him next. Yep. Uh, Pegasus kid. So, but I mean, to, to go back and watch when they were in new Japan, when they first came over to ECW and then when they went to WCW, yeah, absolutely. I, I You could see inside of Eddie Guerrero at a very, very early age, even underneath of a mask, that uh, Ed, Eddie was going places. Benoit, obviously, too, graduated the heavyweight, definitely considered, has to be um, one of the best. A- anything, you know, any division or whatever you want to say with Benoit. I just wouldn't consider him here because I consider him more of a heavyweight WrestleMania main event, world champion multiple times. I just... Yep. I can't put him in that category, but I got to mention him though. Same with Jericho and Danielson and 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 uh, Eddie. Um, I, I, Dean, Dean, not so much because he never really graduated to that world title thing. So I put him back in into my best heavyweights, very very high on the list. Well, and, and Dean's a little smaller too. I mean, Eddie ended up putting on quite a yeah, bit of weight yeah, too. He up. Um, but the thing about Benoit that I always really enjoyed was he kept so many elements of that junior heavyweight style in his style, even after he went heavyweight. Now I don't have him on my list. I wouldn't consider him, but he just popped in my head because I remember talking to just incredible about it. He was saying how small Shawn Michaels really is and how his skinny, his legs are and how he said in his prime, when he was jacked to the nines, he said he was probably 210 or 215 pounds. Yep. So I was like, wow, I never considered him even like ever to be that small. Even the rockers, I never considered him to be that small, but I guess really, I mean, he was a, a smaller dude, but I never considered him to be junior heavyweight. He's not on your list or I'm guessing. I'm like, what uh, no, I didn't put him on my list. But th- this is interesting to me. Um, we were talking before we came on air about Adam Cole, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shawn Michaels is listed at 6'1", 225 pounds. Okay. He is, he is definitely six foot or 6'1", because I've met Michaels before. He's actually taller than you would think. Now, when you look up Adam Cole, he is listed at six foot tall, 200 pounds. Come on. I've met Adam Cole is probably, I'd say, 5'6", 165. Legit, because that's how small he was when I saw him. No arm definition, no legs, skinny as a toothpick, except for maybe his belly, but skinny as hell. And I know he just did an interview with somebody not that long ago. He was joking around about, it. oh, I'm a six foot tall. Not even close. See, and I never thought of him in that context either, but it's like, even like the way that he's listed as his height and weight, he still wants to be Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah. Didn't know that about it. Yeah. You know, it's crazy to me, but no, I I've never considered Shawn a junior heavyweight. Um, I, I guess when you go back to the rockers, I mean, they, they might've been a junior tag team. But even then, those guys, I mean, Marty Jannetty's way bigger than you think he is, too. Yeah, yeah. Is Marty the greatest of all time, or should it be a different topic for a different day about Jannetty? <laughs> Best sell I, job ever. I love Marty. He's he's great. Uh, another name that I was thinking of, it's on the list. It's not high on my list, but I wanted to put him on there. What about Flying Brian Pillman? Yeah, Pillman is one that I kind of went back and forth on. When... When you think of Pillman, what's the first thing that comes to your mind, Paz? Loose cannon. Yeah. 
And, and it is for me too. Um, yeah, not not being a light heavyweight. You I mean you think about those matches with Liger, but that's not the first right. thing I think about. Yeah, you know, yep. it, first match in the history of Nitro, Jushin Liger and Pillman. Yeah, yeah, good call. Yes, another guy that I don't consider to be a junior heavyweight, but obviously he wrestled there in Japan and and, and elsewhere, but definitely in WWF fame and was definitely a heavyweight. But Owen Hart, did he make the list? Owen Hart, I have very, very high on my list. Um, Owen, kind of in that same light as Malenko, right? Where, where he could do the high flying. He wasn't necessarily the flashiest of high flyers, right. but he could go in there. And if you had somebody, I, I wish we would have gotten to see Mysterio and Owen. Like, mm-hmm. God, that would have been yeah. so good. Yeah. You know, just the, the the matchup of styles with Ray's high flying, Owen trying to ground him and, and just technically take him out. It would have been fantastic matchup. Would have loved to have seen that. So as far as like everyone on my main list, I got to everyone as far as like old school guys. Then I have a bunch of new school guys that I would consider, you know, obviously current guys. Some of them have graduated to heavyweight now. But I'm just curious, would, would any of these guys uh, name it? I had five guys. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi, Kushida, Kenny Omega, Ricochet, and Will Ospreay. Um, Kushida, I absolutely should have had on my list, and I didn't. Um, Come on. Well, I, I have a love-hate relationship with Kushida, Paz. You, you have to understand. I, I love me some New Japan Kushida, and then he left us, and he came stateside. And now on Destino, a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, he is simply referred to as he who shall not be named. Jesus, damn it, Kushida. He, uh, I don't know, he had a bright future, I think, as a heavyweight. In New Japan, because you know you, you graduate that, I think he would have graduated, and I think he would have moved up. I don't know; he might have had to bulk up a little bit. That's, but I don't know. I felt like he was like their next guy, like the next guy they could have pushed. You know what I mean? Like that I, that next kind of rising guy, maybe in that Shingo spot even. But um, obviously, Shingo never ever light heavyweight, even though they pretended he was never, which is so stupid. But um, that now, was ridiculous. Now, now he's a world champion. But I don't know. To me, Kushida especially watching so many of his matches like man, this guy's got money written all over him he should be a main eventer yeah kushida should have been a main eventer he should have been a main eventer as the iwgp junior heavyweight champion because he was that freaking good and him um, and kyle o'reilly nxt i like the match few weeks ago, but them in new japan was awesome yeah uh kushida when you look at junior heavyweight history in new japan pro wrestling when you talk about the greatest ever he's very very high on the list I think this NXT run has really hurt him, though, in the, in the eyes of a lot of fans. Like, it's mm. just not clicking for one reason or another. But I very much look forward to the day that he returns to New Japan Pro Wrestling because he will, and they will yep. welcome him with open arms. And I cannot wait to see Hiromu Takahashi versus Kushida because that will be absolutely fantastic to renew that rivalry. Uh, Kushida absolutely made Hiromu a star the first time those two guys came together and he let Hiromu squash him in like under a minute, Hiromu just took out Kushida and everybody was like, okay, we, we need to pay attention to this guy. Hiromu was a made man. And now when I look at the modern day landscape, guys that are still going guys that are still in their prime early into their career, Hiromu Takahashi could be that next Ray Mysterio. 
he could be that next Jushin Thunder Liger. He has the personality. He has the in-ring style. He has the presence. If he can learn how to speak English just a little bit and maybe do what Kushida has done, come stateside for, you know, a year, two years, three years, four years, that's just going to make him a bigger star in Japan when he returns. I, I think the, the ceiling is the limit for Hiromu. Anybody I mentioned or didn't mention? Anybody I missed? Um, a couple of names that are, are still active today that I want to throw out there. Uh, Dragon Lee uh, is one of the finest junior heavyweights of any era that you're going to find. I mean, Jushin Liger selected him and Hiromu Takahashi to be opposite of him during his final match. That tells you what Liger thinks of Dragon Lee. He's he's absolutely incredible. Unfortunately, he's stuck in Ring of Honor right now, so nobody really gets to see what he's doing. And then I have Mystico on my list. Uh, Ooh, I, for, I literally was thinking about writing him down. I didn't write him down. He was definitely a very high photo for me. Awesome. I love Mystico. Yeah, he, he's absolutely incredible. And the draw that some of these guys are in mexico yeah that's another thing he was a huge huge draw still is still and and i remember when they were making his best of compilation uh compilations the dvds and stuff they were selling like so everybody wanted to see this guy they were selling like hotcakes yeah he's just absolutely incredible um and then the, the, the last name on my list that i have to bring up before we can wrap up this week's show takamichinoku uh, Ooh, I forgot to mention him. Yes. Taka, let alone what he has done with Michinoku Pro uh, in, in recent years, his work alongside of Suzuki Goon when they were at Pro Wrestling Noah and the return to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Would you go back to when we probably first saw Taka, when he debuted for the WWF in that light heavyweight tournament? Taka was a, a lot of people's introduction to Japanese super J cup style professional wrestling. And he's been a huge influence on the business going forward since his semi retirement talk as a name. I just, I absolutely had to bring him up. Should have, I should have mentioned him. He's a great one as well, but wrapping it up, let's go with Rick's choice. First, who's Rick's choice as the greatest junior heavyweight of all times. Rick has Ray Mysterio. Number one, Jushin Liger number two. Nice. Now for you, Jergo. Uh, I I think I go Liger one, Mysterio two. But oh. I mean, I with with those two guys, you're looking one A one B, right? Like I don't feel like there's a number two. Man, this was tough for me because I was originally thinking that I might pick Tiger Mask or Dynamite Kid just because. I love that they were like the, the granddaddy and all the grandfathers, but mm-hmm. I do think that my man here, I think he has surpassed them and an all-time great. I'm going to have to go Ray Mysterio Jr. as the greatest junior heavyweight. Although I was thinking Liger, Tiger Mask, Dynamite Kid, that's definitely my uh, top four. Uh, Ultimo Dragon, definitely very, very hot. Maybe that, that might be my top five, but I got to go Ray Mysterio Jr. as my number one pick as the greatest junior heavyweight. Went in thinking Ray, then I was thinking I might change my mind, but I got to go Ray. He just, he's too damn good and he's still going. Yeah, my favorite Ray Mysterio moment, um, and, and it's probably because I was there, 
was at all in uh, the, the Marty Skrull versus Kazushka Okada match ran really, really long, right? Mm -hmm. It ran over on time. So the main event ended up getting shortened, but there is a moment inside of the main event where Rey Mysterio tags in and Kota Ibushi tags in and there's kind of this hush falls over the crowd. Like, Oh my God, it never occurred to one of these 10,000 people that we could actually see Rey Mysterio versus Kota Ibushi for even a minute and a half. And once it clicked, what was about to happen, that place erupted like something I've, I've never been a part of before. That was just such a huge mega pop to see those two guys in the ring opposite of one another. Such a cool moment. Why am I forgetting the main event? Was it Kota Bushi and the Young Bucks against Mysterio, Bandito, and who was the sixth? That's a great question. That's Shoot, a, I don't remember now. Funny that we should be able to remember. But you're right. That sh a main event was cut short on time um, because of that match, right? I mean, they really because of because Skrull Okada because they went like 25 minutes and it was scheduled for like 18. How the hell can we forget this guy? Ray Phoenix. Oh, yeah, Ray Phoenix. Yeah. Who I probably should have put on my list as one of the greats. Uh, do you consider greats. him a junior? I mean, he clearly wrestles a junior style, but do you consider Ray Phoenix a junior? Because I, I don't consider mm -hmm. him or Penta juniors. I don't consider Penta because he's bigger. Ray, I kind of do a little bit. But yeah, it's interesting. He kind of, I mean, he definitely has that style. Yeah, I guess I consider him one. But Penta is a little bit bigger. So I wouldn't consider him. But, uh, Damn, I, I can't believe we forgot Ray Phoenix. Well, I, I didn't forget him. I just don't consider him a junior heavyweight. No, I mean for the all all, all in match. Just oh, thinking yeah. of, of that match, like who the hell was? But the um, the Golden Elite or whatever. That's that is yeah. true. That match was cut short and kind of stinks. Yeah, like well, yeah, because you yeah. you watch it, they didn't cut anything out of the match. They just went like three times as fast as they should have. Yeah, and, not much selling in that match, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. And Okada, let's be honest. They could, and, and I like Skrull, and, and he's fine, but they could have gave, gave him a bigger opponent, a better opponent for this big, you know, test of a show. I just feel like it wasn't, should have been more grandiose for, for him, a, a bigger name. Yeah, but I love the storyline. Like Marty's trying to prove that he's a heavyweight, that he's not a junior anymore. And, he's, and, and he technically was in the elite. He's one of those guys. He right. should have been in the elite of thought. But yeah, I got you. So Ray Mysterio wins this week as far as the greatest junior heavyweight. The poll is finished. Mr. Perfect was voted by everyone the fan as the greatest intercontinental champion. Let's head to the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and of course Patreon. Patreon.com slash tmptempire. Jargo, what do you got? Man, I am just like the doorknob of podcasting here lately. I yeah. am getting around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you can find me over at the Big Veto brand and a couple of shows over there at patreon.com, Big Veto brand. Of course, here at the Two Man Power Trip for Who Is. You can also find me over at the Hitting the Marks podcast, hittingthemarks.com, an all new episode of Destino coming this weekend, destinopod.com. Uh, keep up with me across social media at not Jargo, even though I just pause. I'm, I'm, I'm over social media, man. I'm, I'm just, I'm really over it. I noticed that you gotta yeah. get back in. Get back in. I just, I don't like people. I like you. Thank you. But I feel you. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I feel you. But, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and picking who is the greatest 
junior heavyweight of all time. Thank you, everybody. We will see you right back here next week for a little Who Is? See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.